0: When the day of Pentecost came
1: they were all together in one place suddenly a sound like a blowing of a violent wind came from the house and filled the house the whole house where they were sitting and they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them all of them were filled with the holy spirit and began to speak in other languages as the other tongues as the spirit enabled them and we're going to come back to this in a minute, so if you want to keep your Bibles open, but I just want to pick up on something in the first line. The thing that says, they were all together in one place. I just want to talk about that for a couple of minutes, because I believe there is something so special about unity and about togetherness. Yes. Yes. And there is something special that happens when believers get together to worship. Um, Matthew 18:20 says, for where two or three gather in my name, there I am. And I believe that the Holy Spirit seems to move in amazing, profound and powerful ways when believers get together. And God's presence seems to manifest himself in very tangible and real ways when believers get together to meet. But even simpler than that, I just think that unity in itself is so powerful. If you think about even stuff without God, unity is powerful. If you think about the Tower of Babel, all these people were working together and they built this massive tower and obviously it didn't end well because that was without God, but there was such power in unity and, just think, and that was without God. So just think about the power of unity with God behind it and think of the power of a unified church. And you know what? The enemy knows this. And sometimes the enemy knows this more than the church knows this. And that is why the enemy always attacks the unification of the church so much and tries to bring division amongst the church because he knows what will happen once to his dominion of darkness, once the church really grabs hold of this and runs with it. That is why he attacks it so much. And I just wanna make clear that unity does not mean that everyone is always in agreement about everything. If we look at the disciples, they disagreed with each other all the way through the Gospels. And they doubted and, yeah, they just had disagreements. And I don't think that it would have been any different in this passage we've just read. Some of them might be thinking, oh, I bet here comes a dove again. Other people might be thinking, no, it'll be water, here comes water. Other people might not think that he showed up at all. But actually, all of these little disagreements and things didn't actually matter. Because in that moment, they chose to come together and to unite over what Jesus had told them. And Jesus had told them this, stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high, Luke 24:49. As people and as a wider church, we need to choose to not get caught up on things that don't matter and to unite over what Jesus says. Let's just take a quick look at Matthew 16, verse 16. This has Jesus, we come in and Jesus and Peter are discussing who Peter thought Jesus was. And then then Jesus asked them, but who do you say I am? Simon Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Jesus replied, you are blessed, Simon, son of John, because my father in heaven has revealed this to you. You did not learn this from any human being. Now I, say, now I say to you that you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the powers of hell will not prevail against it. So what was the rock that Jesus would build his church upon? Yes, it was Peter who went on to become the great apost- a great apostle of the faith, but it was also the revelation of who Jesus was. That is the thing that the church is to be built upon and that we are to unite over and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Yeah. Yeah. And to be quite honest with you, I'm excited. I'm excited to see what happens when the church grabs hold of this and runs with it. And I'm excited for Totnes Christian Festival. Yeah. 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 It's, it's such like great to see all the churches in Totnes uniting together and working for this one thing. And if you look at the banners and the... Um, bookmarks at the top it just says one church Totnes presents and I just love that. I think that is such a bold declaration of unity to a world that sees the church as being increasingly divided. That just really is a banner saying we are one church Totnes and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Okay, let's read on in Acts. So, uh, What happens next is the Holy Spirit's come, the disciples are speaking a load of different languages that they've never spoken before, and then they go out on the streets and all these different people are hearing the good works of God in their own languages, and they're being totally blown away by it. Some people are thinking, oh, the disciples are just drunk. And then we get to verse 14. Then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all of you who are in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine o'clock in the morning. No, this is what is spoken. This is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. "In the last days," God says, I will pour my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams, even on my servants, men and women both. I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. That's good. Um, Yeah, I just want to talk for a few minutes about who the Holy Spirit is. I feel that often people find the Holy Spirit the hardest person in the Trinity to get their head around, like he's kind of out there and everyone has different opinions and understandings of him. But I just want to really talk about who the Holy Spirit is. So I feel like some people kind of get God the Father, okay, he's the Father. Jesus, right, he's the Son. And then the Holy Spirit is like the weird uncle. (laughs) But but I just wanna make it so clear from the beginning that the Holy Spirit is not the weird uncle. (laughs) Yeah, um, first of all, the Holy Spirit is God. He is the third person of the Trinity. Second of all, the Holy Spirit is a person. He's a him, not an it. He has a mind, will, and emotions. Um, and also, I want to just make clear that he's been there since the beginning. He did not just pop up at Pentecost. If we crack open like the very first page of the Bible, Genesis 1, verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. See, he's been there since the beginning. Teaching point one the Holy Spirit is a spirit, he's the presence of God. In the word breath in Hebrew, also means spirit. And if we look back at Genesis, Genesis 2, verse 7 God formed man out of dust and he breathed into him. That means that when Man was created. He was created to have the Holy Spirit in him. And that means that you are most yourself when you have the Holy Spirit in you and are in a, and are in a relationship with him. Is that, how, that is how you were designed and created and to be made since the beginning of time. That is how you are made, to have the Holy Spirit in you. And that also means that when you become a Christian, the only thing you are giving up is being something you were never created to be in the first place. Okay, teaching point two. The Holy Spirit is holy. Um, Yeah, the Holy Spirit is holy. And then if we look... Beyond in Genesis what happens is the fall and man, sin, sin comes into the world and people are no longer holy. So that means the Holy Spirit cannot dwell in them because he's holy and they're not and it just does not mix. But as you look through your, the Old Testament, God in his wild love was so desperate to have his presence and his spirit still with his people because that's how he created them. And then it, when you look through your, the the Old Testament, you can see loads of crazy ways that God tried to get his presence with his people, whether that was through clouds or temples. Yeah, he just was relentless in trying to get his spirit with his people. In the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit came on certain people at certain times for for certain purposes, like all the prophets in the Old Testament. This happened right up until Jesus comes. And in the Gospels we read that the Holy Spirit came on Jesus like a dove. And here's the crucial bit, that he remained upon him. See, God came down as a man and took on all the limitations of a man. And he lived his life and did all his miracles that he did as a man in relationship with and surrendered to the Holy Spirit. See, in doing this, he paints a picture of how we as believers are created to live in relationship with and surrender to the Holy Spirit. And then what happened next is that Jesus died on the cross. He took our sin, he took our shame, all guilt. He just wiped us completely clean by dying and rise, rising again on the cross. And that made us holy. And that meant that he could send his spirit again. And he says to the disciples, before, once he's risen again, before he's gone off um, again, he says to his disciples that he's going to send the Holy Spirit the helper and he's able to do this because of the work that he's achieved on the cross John 16 verse 7, it says this I am telling you the truth it is better for you that I go away because if I do not go the helper will not come to you see Jesus is saying here that it's better to have the Holy Spirit than than it is to have Jesus have you ever thought, oh, I'd love to have been around at the same time as Jesus and to have walked with him and have done the miracles with him and just being around him would have been so cool. But actually what Jesus is saying here is that it is better to have the Holy Spirit. And have you ever really stopped to think that we are living in the days that the prophets have old dreamed about and they longed to be in? That's right now, that is what we are living in. When the Spirit is poured out on all flesh, like we just read in the verses, every age, every gender, every social class, the Holy Spirit is poured out on all flesh. Yeah, so the Bible teaches that the Holy Spirit lives and dwells in every believer. The Holy Spirit has the job of taking the place of Jesus in the world, of revealing and showing Jesus to the world, and demonstrating and doing the good works that Jesus did. In John, um, the word parakletos is used for the Holy Spirit. This word means this. It means comforter. It means standby, advocate, intercessor, friend, teacher, guide, counsellor, strengthener, leader, helper, and partner. See, what strikes me about that is these words are not talking about a God that is far away. This is talking about a God that has drawn near. I talked before about the Holy Spirit being called breath. If you can feel someone's breath, it means you're really close to them. That is how close God has drawn near to us. The Bible talks about this by talking about communion with the Holy Spirit. And communion is about this. Communion is about presence. Believers are to carry and experience the presence of God. Uh, Communion with the Holy Spirit is about friendship and it's about fellowship with the Holy Spirit. He's not a fix, he's a friend. Sometimes we say, I want you God, because we want him to come and fill all of our holes. But actually, sometimes we should just want him because he's delicious in and of himself. See, the Holy Spirit wants to become friend, like friends with you that whisper secrets to each other. He wants, He desires intimacy above everything. And communion, with the Holy Spirit, it's also about surrender. I saw a great quote that I love, which says, ask not how much of the Holy Spirit you have, but how much of you does he have? And I just love that. See, one of the most important things that you can do as a believer is really get to know the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit wants to aid you, assist you, guide you, lead you, give you revelation of scripture, releases gifts through you, give you boldness, teach you, strengthen you, refresh you, empower you, anoint you, protect you, fellowship with you, help you pray, give you rest, give you wisdom, be your friend, reveal Jesus in your life and comfort you. So good, I just want to pick up on one of the things there, it said to give you boldness and when you look at these verses that we've been looking at, that is so clear that the Holy Spirit comes and gives them boldness, you see if we look at Peter, Peter went from denying Jesus multiple times to preaching to thousands and then being saved all because the Holy Spirit came, he went from being called a rock to becoming the rock. That is, the kind of the ho- that is the kind of transformation that I believe that the Holy Spirit wants to do in everyone here. I've got a few more things to say in a minute, but I just want you to take away this. Above all, that you are uncomfortably loved and desired by God. Above all, that's all I want you to take away. But also, that unity is so powerful. And that the Holy Spirit is not abstract. He is intimate. And that you should just really go for it and build that relationship with him. Um, I've got a few more things to say in a minute. But I'd just like us all to stand. And we're going to unite as a church. And we're going to pray. So what I'd love us to do is put your hand on the shoulder of your neighbour. Or grab their hand. Ask them to do it nicely, obviously. And yeah, we're just going to unite as a church body and we're going to pray for the Holy Spirit to come. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah, Lord Jesus, we thank you that you are so good to us. Lord Jesus, you gave us your Holy Spirit and he is so great. Lord, we want to know him and we want to become intimate with him, Jesus. Lord, I just ask that your presence would come right now and bring a new wave of refreshment and of power to go and to preach the gospel and to live out this life that you've called us to, Jesus. I just ask that your presence would come and empower everyone here and that you would unite us as one body for you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Jesus.
0: We're just going to wait for a minute.
1: Yes. The Holy Spirit. Yes, you. your family life. I am always with you. Do not shrink back. We're going to have some more opportunities to respond in a minute, but if we want to sit down again just want to talk about baptism of the Holy Spirit. Okay, so the Bible teaches that every follower of Jesus has the Holy Spirit in them and dwelling in them. But there are times when the Holy Spirit comes and rests upon a believer in a powerful and profound way. And that is what we call baptism of the Holy Spirit. Acts 1 verse 8 says this, But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses both in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and even to the remotest parts of the earth. Baptism in the Holy Spirit gives you power to do the works of Jesus on earth, to live an overcoming life, to heal the sick, cast out demons, do crazy miracles, and to flow in the gifts of the Spirit. And Sam talked earlier about the gift of tongues, and this is something that often follows baptism of the Holy Spirit. Above all, baptism in the Holy Spirit will always draw you closer to Jesus, as that is what the Holy Spirit loves to do. He always points to Jesus.